Good evening. Thank you so much for coming. We'll continue our beginning reading from the Paramatma Sandarbha. Uh, the first Sandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. Uh, he divides into, well, the presenter, Satyanarayan Das, divides into three sections. And we covered the first section a couple months ago. And just as a matter of review, I want to reread the the beginning Praman Slokas Ajiva Goswami uses at the very beginning of his first Anucheda from the Paramatma Sandarbha. Uh, these are from the fifth canto. The discussion is between Jud Bharat and King Rahugna. And you'll see there's a little bit of parallel between this first section and then how Jiva goes on to the next primary praman or evidence in support of his presentation of a definition of what is Paramatma in the same vein but he'll take this next section that we're going to go into depth tonight on uh, from the Bhagavad Gita. So just as a matter of recap, let us read the the verses from the fifth uh, canto which made up the very, very beginning of the Anucheda. The pure knower of the presentational field merely perceives these beginningless modifications, vibhutis, of the impure actor, the mind, which is but an adjunct of the empirical self, jiva, and a product of maya. Its modifications are sometimes manifest, like in when we're awake and when we are dreaming, and sometimes unmanifest when we're in deep sleep or when we are in samadhi, when we've completely attained a state of withdrawing our senses entirely from the presentational field, which is Krishna's modes of material nature, his maya, his external potency. Then the verse... There's actually, these are actually two verses. The next verse goes on and says the following. The supreme witness of the field is the imminent self, the primordial person, the most ancient, who is unmediatedly self-revealing, unborn, the almighty controller, the interior regulator of all beings, inherently endowed with potency, the substratum of all beings, and who is established in his own intrinsic being by virtue of the potency that is innate to his own being, swamayaya, or his swarup shakti. So if you remember couple months ago when we discussed this. Um, 
Jiva makes it clear that these two verses that Jad Bharat is speaking speak of two knowers of the field. The first verse speaking of the Jivatma and the second knower being Parmaa. So we're going to see that parallel carried forward in the verses that we'll study tonight from the Bhagavad Gita. Now when we talk about a knower of the presentational field, that knowledge entails some little bit of, of acquaintance. Uh, so when we talk about the jiva knowing the presentational field, his knowledge to really have any significance in observing the field requires a certain degree of spiritual detachment and spiritual understanding. So, you know, when we, when we say the knower of the field, we really mean somebody that has a little bit of knowledge to be able to recognize that there's a field out there. Unfortunately, for the majority of souls conditioned in, in Kali Yuga, there's no difference. This is my life, and we can completely relate with our mind and senses. This is me. I'm this body. When the body's gone, I'm gone. So, Jad Bharat's speaking of a little, little bit more knowledge, and we'll see that come through even more when we come to this next section of the first Anucheta. So remember, this first Anucheta is, is really just, it's setting up the entire presentation of what is Paramatma. And if we remember one thing from the, from the last discussion, Paramatma, the conception of Paramatma is the closest to what is commonly understood as the Lord, the Supreme, you know, it's knowledge of a, a another realm where the Supreme is enjoying emotional exchanges with his parts and parcels is not the common conception of, of what is the Supreme Godhead. You know, knowledge of Aikuntha is practically missing in the world of man. Uh, what to speak of Raj, you know. Generally, when we think of God, when you speak to the common man on the street, who is at least theistic in his approach to life and, ha and has that much uh, faith that there is some supreme, some supreme, supreme force behind everything around him. Um, his conception, if you were to speak to him, and well, what do you mean when you say God or the Lord? What exactly do you mean? Well, he's the creator, Paramatma. Uh, he's, he's fulfilling my desires, Paramatma. He's, you know, he's... Uh, But all of the all of the all of the the things that you'd attribute to God or the Lord, basically, if we look to and as we go through a true 
presentation of what is Paramatma, as Jiva is going to give us in this Sandarbha, uh, this is what what the, the basic understanding of God is. It doesn't go as deep as Jiva does in his definition. Uh, so Jiva is starting here. He's starting here, and what you're going to see is this is knowledge. This is what Krishna considers to be knowledge. Knowledge of these three things. Jivatma, Maya, and himself. So we begin our class this evening. Primarily, this section of the first Anucheda is based on the 13th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And uh, in the 13th chapter, we have an elaborate discussion of the Purusha and Prakriti. And, uh, and relative points that come up um, as presented in the 15th chapter of the Gita. In both these chapters... Sri Krishna not only differentiates between consciousness and the non-conscious phenomenal presentation or field, uh, but also between the individual consciousness and the supreme consciousness, or Paramatma. And he's also going to deal in, in what we're going to discuss this evening with misunderstandings in relationship to the Advaitavad, Vivata uh, presentation, Vivarta. And uh, Sankaracharya's presentation, mis mispresentation, misinterpretation as regards to the difference between the Jivatma and the Paramatma. Because their basic contention is they're this, in the ultimate end, they're the same. So Jiva contends with that. And why does he contend with that? Well, he's preaching according to time, place, and circumstance. And this is um, one of the primary uh, misconceptions uh, that he dealt with, is this influence of, well, we would call it Mayavad, Advaitin philosophy. You know, Sankaracharya is the main main distinguishing factor is his misinterpretation but going back to the primary verse of this entire Bhagavat and Paramatma Sandarbha Vedanti Tat Tatva Vidas Tatvam Yajjanamadvayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Sabjate these uh, are all the Supreme Absolute. So Jiva continues. Furthermore, it is said in the Gita Padishad, This body, O son of Kunti, is called the field, and the one who knows it is called the knower of the field, by those who have directly intuited both the field and its knower, O Bart. Know me also as the Shetragna, situated 
within all Kshetras whatsoever. In my view, knowledge of the field and of both these knowers of the field is what is meant by true knowledge. It's Bhagavad Gita 13, 1 and 2. Jiva states, by pointing out that both Ishwara and the individual self have a con common substratum, that they both share the characteristic of being knowers of the field, Krishna here is not indicating that the substantive reality to be known, the knowable, Nyaya, is consciousness alone devoid of all attributes. If that were the case, the phrase within all shatras would be redundant. Moreover, the knowable is pointed out in the same chapter of the Gita as being specifically inclusive of attributes. This is indicated in the Gita 13.12. I shall now describe that reality which is to be known. And in the Gita 13.13, that supreme, knowable, has hands and feet everywhere, with eyes, heads, and faces all around. Again in Gita 13.7-11, through 11, knowledge, Gyan, too, will be defined in precisely the same manner. Knowledge, too, is of a substantive inclusion of attributes and not that of unqualified consciousness. So we can see, as we he he's dealing with this repeatedly. It's not without attributes. There's two different entities. And as he goes more and more through his presentation here in the Anucheta, he's going to deal with it more and more specifically. And we we would say, well, we get it, but. The fact is, at his time, in his preaching, it was something that had to be really stressed. That it's, it's, there is a distinction, and it, you know, this achinta beta beta understanding is the topmost understanding. Now, one thing um, that I'll remind you of uh, that was int introduced in the very uh, beginning of the book was uh, Sachinarayan Das brought out that this Paramatma Sandarbha is probably one of Jiva Goswami's greatest contributions uh, to theistic thought. A complete and comprehensive definition of what is the Paramatma aspect of the Supreme and its characteristics. I mean, to make this distinction, like your question, well, because in the, in the last, in the very beginning of the Anucheta, the statements made that the Paramatma feature, that those functions are dealt with in the Vaikuntha realm, by the Lord himself. It's not like there's a separate manifestation of Paramatma. Now, if we think about that, and I was thinking about your question, 
Sarvasya Chahamriti Sani Visto Matashmritir Janamapohanam Cha. I am seated in everybody's heart. For me comes knowledge, remembrance, forgetfulness. That's not that whole functionality is not there. It's 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 more in an emotional thing. You know, I'm seeding in everyone's hearts. I'm fulfilling their desires, desires since time and no more. They're, they're both on the same page. So it's not like Paramatma has a separate functionality than Krishna simply expressing loving relations with his devotees. Everybody in Vaikuntha is his devotee. And they all are completely, their consciousness is completely turned towards him in all circumstances. There's no separate interest. So when Jiva points out in the very beginning of this Anacheda that that the Paramatma feature that's dealt with by the Lord in Vaikuntha directly. It's not a separate it doesn't have to be a separate feature because everybody, it, it, their consciousness is, is already tor- turned towards Krishna. So therefore, he's just trying to fulfill their desires and they're simply trying to fulfill his desires. So it's a loving reciprocation. In the material world, not so much. So param- the Paramatma feature has to what it has it's that aspect of the supreme whereby he's a, he's able to express his compassionate nature by giving those people those living entities whose consciousness is not to, turned towards him an opportunity to turn their consciousness so what he manifests himself as the purusha avatars he he comes as different yuga avatars and guna avatars and lila avatars through the garbhadakshai vishnu manifestation of himself within every universe and in that capacity he makes available the opportunity for them to turn their consciousness towards him this is what's commonly known in the world of man as the supreme lord and depending on the culture and the religious inclination, some are seeing the, the Lord as that personality who's, well, if you take the, the, the karma condis section of the Vedas, they have a certain presentation of the Supreme coming in deity, different manifestations to fulfill the desires of humanity. And then they have the jnana section so all these different manifestations of the supreme are gradually to turn that consciousness towards him entirely Jiva just quoted uh, the Gita's verse and there's he's trying to bring out the fact also here that when we talk of Paramatma we're talking about also the Supreme Lord having attributes. And the Jiva also has attributes. So both the knowers of those 
the presentation field, the Jivatma and the Paramatma, both of those have both of them have attributes. So this thirteenth chapter verses seven through eleven reads as follows. Humility, so these are attributes. These are attributes of the Jivatma Humility, freedom from deceit, nonviolence, forbearance, simplicity, service to the authentic teacher, which we were discussing today, authenticity and the presentational field of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, who is an authentic teacher. Purity, steadiness, restraint of the body, dispassion from uh, for sen- dispassion for sense objects, disidentification with the conditional I sense, contemplation of the miseries, miserable defects of birth, death, old age, and disease, detachment from, and disidentification with children, wife, home, and so on, constant even-mindedness in favorable and unfavorable circumstances undeviating pure devotion unto me with exclusive absorption. Now, this is an important point that Jiva's going to, he's going to use this one section of these um, verses again t- later as he pr- continues to pr- unfold this Anucheta. This one section, undeviating pure devotion unto me with exclusive absorption. He's going to use this to bring out the point, there's a distinction. Don't don't fall for the Advaita Why would Krishna say this? If this is characteristics of the jiva, well, what's the jiva doing? Worshipping himself? If there's no distinction between the supreme and the jiva, except the fact that one is, well, according to their philosophy, one is simply situated in pure sattva, that we call God, and the other is situated in the other modes where there's a mixture of goodness, passion, and ignorance. Well, first of all, where's pure sattva? So their conception is pure sattva, that's God. And when the, when the upadis, or the influ- when the influence is a mixture of the modes of nature, that we call the jiva. But ultimately, when you take away either the pure, you take away the pure sattva, or the goodness, passion, and ignorance influence upon the jiva, then they're both the same. You are that tatvamasi. You're all the same. You are Brahman. Residence in a secluded place, not attachment to the association of worldly people, constancy in the culture of knowledge pertaining to the self, and deliberation on the goal of knowledge regarding the absolute. All these is declared to be knowledge. Period explanation point. Whatever is different from this is ignorance. That's it. There you go. There's so if you if you can and 
what it, what is this knowledge? When we look at knowledge, what are, what of these? When we look at this definition given by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, what is he saying here? You just know this. These aren't known. These are qualities of existence, humility, freedom from deceit, nonviolence, forbearance. The list goes on and on. What are these? These are qualities of someone who has developed a completely spiritualized consciousness. So such a consciousness and exclusive devotion to me, if you have these, that you're knowledgeable. It's not, you know, your, your, your social studies and your military studies and your mathematical studies, your literary studies, those, I, they're not in the list. Whatever is different from this is ignorance. So there's two distinct shetragna in the body. There's the Paramatma and the Jivatma. So in this presentation, he's also, he's, he wants to refute this Vivartavad of the Advaitins. Ultimately, they think there's only one Atma, and they refer to that one Atma as Brahman. So Jiva says, to emphasize this point, point the second verse of the chapter employs the compound sarva shetreshu in all bodies. Shetragnam chapi mam vidi sarva shetreshu bharata. Moreover, the word cha highlight, highlights, cha in the verse, highlights the distinction between the individual self and the supreme self. Again, getting back to Sanskrit grammar and let's just say Jiva uses all the tools in his, at his disposal to make his philosophical and logical presentation. Um, Sankaras, this is not Jiva, this is the commentary, radical non-dualistic philosophy, Sankaras philosophy adopts the view that there is one absolute, unqualified reality called Brahman, which manifests as Paramatma when delimited, delimited by pure sattva, unmixed with Rajas and Thomas, and is the individual Atma when delimited by Sattva Goon mixed with the other Goons. Adherents to this doctrine claim that there is no ultimate difference between the two Shetragnas. For them, the one unqualified conscious reality is the ultimate and unique substantive to be known. All else is mythya, devoid of ontological reality. 
Now Jiva goes on in his Anucheta and he he actually um, he presents to us the commentary of Sankaracharya to this to the second verse of the Bhagavad Gita, thirteenth chapter. Sri Sankaracharya writes now listen carefully, you'll see this is his commentary, Sankaracharya. You kind of think, oh, he's he's got the right, and then at the end he'll he'll throw in his. So know me. This is Krishna speaking. Sankaracharya paraphrasing here. Know me, the supreme regulator, who am transcendental to conditional existence to be the Shetragna, endowed also with the above mentioned characteristics and present in all Shetras. This is the second verse. So. He's speaking now from Paramatma's, Krishna's speaking. The first verse was the presentational field as the Jivatma. Now we have Paramatma. The implication here, Sankaracharya goes on to say, is that the Shetragna is apparently distributed in all bodies beginning from Brahma and extending down to Immovable, immovable, immobile forms by virtue of the limitations imposed by these bodies. Know the Shetragna to be devoid of all these divisions or limitations. Know the observer. But he uses a singular, right? Know the Shetragna to be devoid of all these divisions or limitations and as imperceptible, unknowable, through the notions conveyed by the words such as sat cause and asat effect. So just that one section, there's he 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 presents there's his presentation is is one of the misconception that there is no distinction, ultimately. Everything is ultimately Brahman. That's, Jiva continues, well, the verse, of course. That supreme knowable is qualified, though, by Krishna later in the, in the 13th chapter. He says there, that supreme noble has hands and feet everywhere, with eyes, heads, and faces all around, and with ears in all directions. It abides, providing everything, pervading, I'm sorry, everything in the world. That's from the 13th verse. So, the supreme, as presented by the Lord in the 13th chapter is all pervading and has all consciousness and has attributes. They're pervasive attributes. He can see everything. You could say he has millions of eyes. He, you know, he can experience everything. He has millions of arms. He has limbs everywhere. 
We mentioned this, that in this list of attributes attributed to the Jivatma, the knower of the field in the limited capacity, um, is mentioned this ceaseless exclusive devotion. How could there be devotion towards an unqualified, something without qualities, how can you love something that doesn't have, that's attributeless, basically? Is that possible? So these these points Jiva's trying to drive out. Wait. Well, Krishna is asking and answering himself in his 13th chapter is what Jiva's saying. Uh, it's already answered. Otherwise, Krishna wouldn't have, have, have taken the time to make the point. Also, if there's no real distinction between Jiva Shetrajna and Ishvara Shetrajna, such devotion would be meaningless. Why? What is the necessity of, of devotion to your... There's no distinction in the ultimate. It's not even exactly to yourself. Kind of. I mean, it is kind of, but... Yeah. I mean, what do you love about yourself? The fact that you're nothing? <laughs> and you... are there any other selves? I mean, or is it just all one self? It's all one self. What's the meaning of even self? Yeah. That yeah. Why bother? <laughs> That's Jiva's point exactly. But the audience at hand must really have a firm samskara for this understanding because we see this now we're into the third Sandarbha and Jiva's still pounding the post of this, you know, he's still trying to pound in and pound away these misconceptions. All right, let's take, let's let's look at it from this viewpoint. There is a distinction between the Jivatma and the Paramatma. They're not the same. So let me first, in defining Paramatma, make it perfectly clear, it's not you. You're not going to dissolve into God. Well, you can dissolve into God, but there's not going to be anything left of you that you're aware of. He'll be fully aware that there was a you, but your, your, your identity will be lost if you continue to pursue this line of thought. Now, the, the radical non-dualists, the followers of Sankaracharya, they say, well, you worship God. It's okay. Um, but it's just an intermediary step for those spiritual seekers who are less intelligent. If you really knew the nature of Brahman, you wouldn't need to worry. Krishna, the, this presentation of Scripture, so that brings us to the whole presentation of Scripture. Well, Jiva goes on, and next he deals, well, let's talk about that in this context. Jiva's 
Anucheta continues. He writes, Moreover, if Krishna's intention in the phrase know me also to be the Shetragna had been to define knowledge as pertaining to an absolute reality, utterly devoid of attributes, by equating their shared conscious substratum, as in the mantra, mantra you are that, tatvam asi. Then Krishna would have said, in my view, knowledge of the Shetragna and the Ishwara is true knowledge and not knowledge of the field and of both these knowers of the field. He, Jiva says, well, if this is a presentation of scripture and scripture is going to present things properly, then the way it would be worded would not entail the necessity of pointing out a distinction between the two knowers of the field. But the sloka definitely points out a distinction. Why make the distinction if the really the knower, the observer of the field of action is in the ultimate issue one entity without attributes or the ability to know. Isn't that an attribute to be able to acquire knowledge? Let's look at the statement, Tatwamasi. The statement, Tatwamasi, you are that, teaches the, uh, teaches the identity of the limited consciousness i.e. the individual living being referred to by the pronoun twam, you, and the unlimited or all-pervading consciousness called Brahman, referred to by the pronoun tat, or that. It does not, however, teach the identity of the inert material body, Shetra, and the supreme consciousness. Jiva continues in his Anacheda. However, the meaning of the statement, knowledge of the Shetra and the Tretragna, yeah, in my opinion, this is Jiva's opinion, is what is meant by knowledge, is as follows. Knowledge of both items, inclusively the Shetra and the Shetragna, is considered to be knowledge of me alone because the purpose of such knowledge is exclusively knowledge of me, Paramatma. As stated in the Brahma Sutra, Vedanta Sutra, the deliberation of the individual self is in order to know the other, the Supreme Self. This is in keeping with the fact that the knowable is stated to be only one. And it is indeed appropriate because the reality to be known has already been described in Bhagavat Purana 1.2.11 as non-dual in nature. So what's being stated here, Jeeva is, is making it clear um, that in his opinion,
the true knowledge to be had is an understanding of what the supreme actually entails those aspects not that what's being presented here is simply to so that we can come to an understanding that we are that in other words this is really sambandhagyan knowledge of the inner relationships and Krishna in this 13th chapter is make, making it very clear. This is what he considers to be knowledge. Understanding what is the presentational field as put forth by, his, by the Lord's illusory energy, that presentational field. And in the ultimate issue, the real knower to be known is not the jivatma. The real knower to be known is the paramatma, the knower of all the fields. If you know that, if you know there's a if you know the distinction between jiva, shetragya, ishvara shetragna, and the Shetra itself, that in itself is knowledge. So, in the very beginning of the Anucheta, in that section that we studied before, the point was made that the real knower of the field is the Supreme. The Jiva's knowledge of the field is there. There is something common but our knowledge is extremely limited, whereas Paramatmas is unlimited. It's just, so these three components, the material nature, right? I mean, these three components, how did Srila Prabhupada presented it what? He presented it very simply for us as the Lord's his internal energy, marginal energy and his external energy those are the those are that's exactly the same thing that's being presented here at the beginning of the 13th chapter i shall now describe the object of knowledge knowing which one attains immortality that brahman which is beginningless and subordinate to me cannot be described either as the cause or as the effect so this was touched on earlier in Sankaracharya's commentary. But how does Krishna look at that manifestation of himself? Yes, I am that Brahman, but it's subordinate to me. Ultimately, it's, it's a lesser manifestation of myself without qualities. So if you, if, you, if you were to conceive of me as being qualityless, that's, you can call that Brahman. But it's, it's a subordinate, it's a, it's a less inclusive and full understanding 
of my nature, his unqualified manifestation. The intent is that knowledge of the body, the individual self, the supreme self, and their inner relation between and their inner and the inner relations between them is meant to lead to understanding of the supreme person, Sri Krishna. That's the ultimate objective of knowledge. And one of the aspects of attributes, again, is exclusive devotion to me. Jiva continues, and we'll read another little bit and discuss it before we wrap things up this evening. Nor is it right to interpret the word knowledge as it is in the non-theistic Sankhya philosophy, which understands it to mean merely realization of the distinction between the field and its individuated knowers. Because in Gita 13.2, the pronoun mum, me, necessitates the inclusion of a supreme knower, an aswara. So Jeeva is saying, don't be misled. I mean, the Gita is quite simple. And this, there would be no necessity of saying, Mom, in this verse, I, me, I know all fields. It, there wouldn't be a necessity if there was no distinctiveness between the two knowers of the field. Nor can we agree with the Vivarta, Vivarta doctrine that the personhood of God is but an appearance born out of illusion because then his words in the form of revealed scriptures such as the Gita along with the Vedas would be rendered unauthoritative thus insinuating the Buddhist philosophy. There's no need for scripture. In other words, why put any why do we put any stock? Why do we why do we give any credit whatsoever to the Bhagavad Gita, the presentation of the Bhagavad Gita, or for that matter, any of the Vedas? Why do we give any credit there if if in the ultimate end it's, illusion. it's all an illusion? Such being the case, it would be just as illogical for the proponents of the Vartavad to comment on these scriptures as it is for the Buddhists. Why do you give any stock to these literatures? You're using them to prop up your philosophy, but wait a minute. There's you yourself discredit any foundation for their authority. So how can you put them forth as evidence in support of your present theistic presentation of your ontological truth? How can you put them forward? These quotes, Tatwamasi, you are that where where'd that come from? 
basically is what Jeeva is saying. Well, who made that up? And on what authority do we do we give it any? How do we give it any authority in our understanding? If if what? Ultimately, it's an illusion. It's all myth. Yeah, it's all illusion. So there's more to this section. Lots and lots and lots more. Um, And we'll just continue to walk through it. I was speaking with uh, Swami. So this is off the record now, as far as the recorded left. I was saying this is, you know, this, this presentation, it's, he said, yeah. So, but just make it through. It's it needs to be there. We need to, you know, present it. We need to go through it. I realize he said he used the word terse. Just tell everybody. Understand this is terse, but the Krishnas and Darva is coming soon. <laughs> so speaking of the Krishnas and Darva, uh, we have heard from Jiva Institute uh, that we might be. Uh, able to get our hands on a printed copy before the end of the year. They're saying this fall that it'll go to press. So, thank you so much.